It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Schmelk Meadow Feagles, that's your trifecta today, talking Giants football with you. And we'll be taking your calls early and often at 201-939-4513, or you can hit us up on Twitter at hashtag GiantsChat, hashtag BBKL, and you can ask us some of your questions there. Mr. Meadow, Mr. Feagles, good afternoon. How are you gentlemen today? Very good. Happy Friday. Very well. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to it, guys. Let's do our deep dive on Dallas here. And I have some very specific numbers here, but I'm going to keep it pretty broad when you're dealing with this Cowboys offense and why, for me, they're really one of the biggest challenges in the NFL. And that's because no matter what you do to them, they're going to have an answer for you. You know, teams have played deep coverages, a lot of two-safety shell, and the Cowboys have answered by throwing a bunch of short passes and running the football, and they've scored 30-plus points that way. Teams have come up to try to stop the run. They hit you over the top. They'll score 30-plus points that way. They can run it. They can throw it. Even with Michael Gallup out, they have three or four different targets in the passing game that are reliable and effective. There's just not an obvious defensive strategy here that, to me, is going to slow down this Cowboys attack. They're pretty strong personnel-wise everywhere. You kind of just have to pick your poison and kind of decide how you're going to you know, give them the best chance of beating you and hope that works to your advantage. And unless I'm missing something, guys, and I'd love for you to point it out to me from, from an offensive perspective, I just don't see many you know, holes here on the ca- offensive side of the Cowboys where I say, <laughs> all right, Giants defense, go attack that. You want to go ahead, Lance? No, I'll let you go, Jeff. Yeah. Okay. I heard no, you chuckling, so I figured you had I'm chuckling like that. because I think yeah. John hit every single point. I mean, it's, it's when you look at this Dallas offense, um, you've got to pick your poison. So I think what's happening that teams, I think their number one issue, or I guess their angst, is that we do not want to give up big plays in the passing game. So we're going to dare the uh, the opponent offense to run the football and. By that, they're showing a lot of like five and six man boxes, and so yep. these teams have been able to run the football on them, which is, I think, is kind of what the Giants are going to have to do. I guess to me, um, when I look at the weak link of of this offense, I, I got to think it's the interior of the offensive line. I think that's probably the only thing that that I, when I've looked and kind of go through it is that you know the interior of that O line is probably their weakest point maybe maybe Terrence Steele at right tackle maybe maybe but I mean I think the tackles are solid but I think that uh you know Biotish is probably their weakest guy he's having not the greatest year but um I think so when you look at that then I think that the Giants can you know I think they can attack the middle of that I think listen Biotish has a problem with with some any type of power rushers you're right and the Giants have two big boys who can put that kind of pressure on there. So now and, the and problem is, Jeff, they have two X. They have one, maybe the best guard in football, next to him on one side, well, and sure, then they and have they another have a, good guard next to him. So, yeah. well, I mean, yeah. I, I again, like I said, I'm just kind of like I guess oh, I'm no, splitting right. hairs here, no, trying right. to find out where the weakness is. But here's the thing: I, I think that if you can pressure Dak because of that ankle injury, he's not the scrambler that he used to be. But I think the only way that you could get to him is probably, you know, around the middle um, and get pressure on him. But, yeah, it's you. and I'll tell you one thing, too. You talk about all of the studs on offense, the wide receivers, the running back, the quarterback. 
But not a lot of people talk about the very underrated Dalton Schultz and, and the Blake Jarwins of the world, right? They, they figure like they get the, the, the worst matchups on the field. They get the worst corner, the worst linebackers. But these guys are good. And so that's another thing that you have to pick your poison with. So, yeah, I'm with you, John. I, I don't see a lot of uh, negatives when it comes to this offense. And Kellen Moore has done something that's in, just unbelievable. Um, and real quickly, you know, the, the thing about these two teams and anything is the division games are always close, right? I mean, these offensive coordinators get up for these games. And Jason Garrett always has done well scheming against uh, the opponents in the division. So that's maybe where the Giants will have a chance. But this is going to be a tough task stopping this offense well he knows some of that personnel because he coached mm-hmm. some of those guys yeah, and then clearly guys Kellen there. Moore and company have familiarity with the Giants so I think that's the reason Jeff why we've seen so many close battles you had a touchdown by the way for Dalton Schultz against Carolina where he was essentially left all alone he was wide open and I think part of that is because teams are right now they're so concerned about Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb and then the two running backs that you tend to forget about the fact that well, they're going to come up with a play or two. They're going to get these tight ends out in open space. And Cedric Wilson, they ran a play for the other game against Carolina where he had one-on-one, he spun around his defender, and then he pretty much walked into the end zone. I mm-hmm. think what Kellen Moore is doing so effectively this season is, A, he's getting his guys out into open space. Dak doesn't have to throw the ball miles down the field. If he could get Amari on a slant or C.D. Lamb, they have faith that these guys can get yak yards. So that's number one, which means if you look at where the Giants faltered against the Saints, it was all that missed tackling. You can't afford to do that against the Dallas Cowboys because they'll turn a five-yard catch into a 25-yard gain if you don't bring these guys down. So it goes without saying this is a fundamental type of game from the Giants' defensive perspective. To me, it's not so much about strategy. It's about are you going to prevent the killer plays? Are you going to keep things in check? Are you going to allow Dallas to really set the tone because Mm -hmm. they're going to set the explosive plays on fire, whether it be on the ground or through the air? The other thing that I think is And tackling, by the way, Lance, is just so important. Sure, You you have to tackle better than you did last week against New Orleans. You're 100% right. Well, because of all the bumper car mentality that the Saints were adopting. They were bouncing off of guys. You can't do that against the Dallas Cowboys. It just absolutely can't happen. And once again, I think Dallas strains you out because what Kellen Moore seems to be doing is they're running a lot of the same formations this season, but they're having different results out of those same formations. So on one play, Dak may hand it off, and then on the next play, they may run it later in the game. He's going to throw a pass off of that. So they're very good in terms of the window dressing, I think is a good way to put it, to try to fool you and catch you off guard. And then they have so many different options within similar formations. So it goes back to why I think the Giants, and it may sound cliche and trite, but the bottom line is you have to be disciplined in a game like this. If you repeat what you did against the Saints, New Orleans is not like Dallas, okay? Mm-hmm. Both of those teams are very different. Dallas, to me, is not the type of team that takes its foot off the pedal. New Orleans, I think, did that, and that opened the door for the Giants. The Cowboys, if you see how they're progressing and playing in the fourth quarter, sometimes it's scarier in terms of how they're performing at the beginning of a game. So that's another reason why you can't afford to dig yourself in an early hole in this contest. Sure. All right. Let's jump to the defensive side of the ball then, guys, because there I do think there are some opportunities. Dallas leads the league in interceptions with eight. They're second in takeaways with ten. Only the Bills have more than they do. They've had at least two takeaways in every game this year. I think either seven or eight straight lands going back to last year. So they are good at taking the ball away. But at the same time, they've allowed nearly 400 yards of offense to opponents so far this year per game. 
So there are going to be opportunities here to make plays. If you can protect the football and watch out for Trayvon Diggs and his ability to read the quarterback, and you know they're going to try to strip the ball from you, uh, I think they have a pretty good, fast, quick, speed-based pass rush. They run a lot of stunts up front which can confuse offensive linemen. So if you can keep that pass rush off of Daniel Jones and he continues to make good decisions, I do think the Giants, and that's regardless of whether or not Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard play, they're on the side today at practice according to multiple reports. I think this Giants offense should have the ability to move the ball on this Cowboys defense. Again, if you can keep that Dallas pass rush off of Daniel Jones and you protect the football. Because, look, they have some really good players on defense, and I mentioned Trayvon Diggs. Micah Parsons is another one. We could talk about that chess piece. Oso Digizua is having a good rookie year. Uh, Randy Gregory off the edge. But in the secondary, they have some solid corners, some solid safety, some veterans. But other than Diggs, not a lot of game changers. So to me, again, if you can protect the ball and protect your quarterback from that pass rush in this game, Jeff, you should be able to move the ball and score some points on this Cowboys defense, assuming, of course, you're able to succeed in the red zone, which the Giants have not been able to much this year. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, I agree with you. I think the weakness for this team is on the defensive side. Um, Dan Quinn is a completely different defensive coordinator than who was there last year. I think that these kinds are – the defense is a little bit heckle and jive. Sometimes they'll line up in a 3-4, a 4-3, a 4-2. They change things around. Jeff, according... I have a question. Mm-hmm. Who's heckle and jive? Heckle and jive. <laughs> you mean Jekyll and Hyde? Heckle and jive. Oh, whatever it is, yeah. Heckle and jive. That's the long-lost cousin yeah. of Jekyll and Hyde. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, John. No, Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. <laughs> I got some jive on my mind oh, today, you know. Funny. All right, it's Friday. Ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. You I know, couldn't resist you, it. Ah, uh, yeah, it's it's expected though. You yes, know that. I know. I'll put your name in. Yes. There probably is a doctor hideout somewhere. They're, but, they're probably you know, somewhere. Yeah. yeah, it might be a. Might if be they're a listening, please group. give us a ring. Yes, <laughs> Mr. Jide and Dr. Heckle. We That's got it. right. All right. Go ahead. Yeah. Anyways, but they um. <laughs> You know, they, they send they're, – they're blitzing teams, okay, and what they'll do is they'll attack the weakness of the offensive wherever it is uh, that, on their opponents. And Micah Parsons, you know, they all of a sudden they – a few weeks ago or a month ago, they decided to put him anywhere, and they decided that that's what they're going to do every week. He, he just lines up all over the place. So um, – and Trayvon Diggs, those guys, and you mentioned Osa, uh, Odigi Zua. Right? Is that his last name? Did I get that yeah, one right? Always hope, y- younger brother. I would yeah. hope you'd be able to do that one, Jeff, given yeah. his brother was here for a few yeah. years. Well, we, we practiced that one plenty. So yes. um, those guys are all, and, and Diggs is a playmaker. Um, the one thing about this defense is that I don't see a lot of depth here. And so, um, you know, if you, can, if you can run the football on these guys and, and, and get some long drives and wear them down, I think that you can you can have success, and that's just you know all about time of possession. And but you got to do something with those time of possession. So um, I think that you know the weak spot, if you if there is one on this defense, has got to be the defensive ends. I mean, Randy Gregory is a stud when he's playing well. He played really well last week. Demarcus Lawrence is out, so without him, there's really no pass rush there. So those are some of the things you can you can look at on the defensive side of the football with the Giants. And I think this is going to be. Uh, a good matchup for the Giants against this Cowboys defense in a in a good way. I, I'm seeing good things here after what I saw last week against New Orleans. You know, Lance, I think the one interesting thing here that Jeff brought up is the concept of trying to run against this Dallas defense because I do think they're susceptible. You know, mm-hmm. they don't have the biggest defensive lineman. A guy like Oso, who we mentioned, who's playing well at defensive tackle, he's just 280 pounds. So they don't have a lot of meat and beef up front, especially if they're going to put Micah Parsons down there at defensive end for part of this game. But – Again, it's not enough to run it well and control the clock. 
you have to be able to turn that running game into touchdowns. So I like the idea of tacking this Cowboy defense with the run. They're giving up almost 4.7 yards per carry. Uh, they're only allowing 60 yards per game because teams haven't been able to sustain the run against them because mm-hmm. of the Cowboys' offense, Lance. But for me, I think you can run it against this Cowboys defense if the game flow allows you to do it, and you can, can turn that success on the ground into seven on these drives because field Gotta goals in time of possession Jeez. ain't going to do it. No. Well, I said this from earlier in the week. This is a game that's on the Giants' offense. They have to keep pace with the Dallas offense. We could talk all we want about the defense. Giants have to score points, and they got to score a lot more points than they've done over the course of these first four games. I think what is going to help Dallas is run defense, though. They are expected to get Carlos Watkins back, and that guy's a pretty big presence who they had been missing the last two games. He sprained his knee, so I think that should help because Odigizua is pretty much an undersized interior defensive lineman. He's not a big guy with a lot of meat potatoes even though he is playing well and to your point I think the reason why the rushing numbers haven't been overwhelming for the opposition is you look at a team like Philadelphia think about how early they got down you then just have to continually pass the ball Carolina was even with Dallas for the first half got down in the second half now Sam Darnold's got to pass the ball a lot so the reason why I don't read too much into those numbers I think teams have had success through the air is because they're down so bad that they now have to start just airing it out sure so if now you play a close game with the Cowboys how does that shift the numbers that will be interesting to see because we just don't have a big sample size with that being said yeah I do think the Giants will have the opportunity to move the football but I think you also need to be very cautious because this team I don't think has been opportunistic based on luck I think Diggs has made a lot of plays because he's got a good knack for the football They've gotten some deflections, which, hey, you're going to get a lucky bounce here or there, but I don't think you get 10 takeaways based on pure luck. I think there's a science to it, and I think if you look at Dan Quinn's track record, even going back to his Seattle days, you know he designs defenses to be aggressive so that they can collect those takeaways. Now, Daniel Jones has done a really good job protecting the football. He had the one interception last week. It was a Hail Mary. Really not much you could put into that. Is this going to be a more significant test than any other defense that he's been presented towards? I would say yes. So protecting the ball and walking that fine line of when do you take the chances down the field? When do you allow your guys to just rely on yak yardage? And when do you take more of a conservative approach? I think that's going to be interesting to see how Daniel Jones' approach is that because I think you got to be very cautious when you take chances down the field. I think this Cowboys defense, they're going to wait. These guys are itching and foaming at the mouth. Hmm. And with the way Diggs is playing... I mean, the guy's got five interceptions in four games. I mean, he's pretty much penciling in a pick every single contest. It's really unheard of, even in recent history, where we've seen a guy have this many interceptions at this rate. No, absolutely, Lance. I'm with you 100%. I think people also need to be a little bit careful. I'm not saying you were doing this, by the way. You know, people think Dan Quinn, oh, Seattle, cover three. He has changed his scheme a lot Right now, Dallas plays cover one, which is obviously man-to-man defense with a single high safety, 36% of the time. It's the third highest rate in the league. So they've gone to a primarily man-to-man scheme, and the rest of their snaps are split almost evenly between cover three, cover two, and cover four. So this is not the same defense that he ran in Seattle. I think it's important for people to note that with how, with how the Cowboys are approaching this. And I will say this before we get to the calls, and, and, and then we'll get to you guys at 201 I think for a guy like Diggs, because Lance, I agree, 
I think there is a method to the madness. These aren't interceptions on deflections. He's watching the quarterback. He's anticipating. He's making plays on the ball. He's a former receiver, so he can catch the ball, unlike 95% of the cornerbacks out there <laughs> that, that just can't catch. Pretty much. Yeah, and look, you can take advantage of that too. If you can set up some looks here where it looks like stuff you've put on tape before, run a double move. Do what you did to Marshawn Lattimore last week where you have him, you know, peek it in on Evan Ingram and Saquon runs past him. There are things you can do to take advantage of that aggressive posture that Diggs and some of these Cowboys defenders take to get takeaways and maybe turn that into big plays. Now, you run risks doing that because if the guy reads what you're trying to do, then it's trouble and it's going to go poorly for you. But I do think there are some ways to take advantage of that too, which is something the Giants are going to have to do here if they want to come out with a victory. All right, let's do it, guys. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. We'll get more into everything Giants and Cowboys as we move forward here. A lot to talk about. Big division game. And it's a game where the Giants, if they win this game, all of a sudden that game against the Saints last week means an awful lot. They're just, at worst, um, a game out of first place with a win over Dallas at 2-3 and three, with Dallas at 3-2. and two. So it's a really important win, big picture-wise, in the standings to have this season Really be interesting and meaningful moving forward. A couple notes on injuries from practice. Uh, Paulie Dots was out there. So were a couple other of the other reporters. I'm just reading it off their Twitter feed. It doesn't look like Peppers, Slayton, and Shepard are going to do a whole lot today in practice. So that probably means they're not going to play. And Andrew Thomas was, again, I'm, I am not out there. So I'm just reading off Twitter feeds. He was apparently limping around a little bit, whatever that means. <clears throat> he was well, limited less yesterday, and we'll see if he can play. But we'll, we'll, we'll get that final Injury report sometime mid-afternoon, probably like 3 o'clock or so. So and let we'll me ask you a question. You. <clears throat> if, this, if Andrew Thomas is not able to play, are we talking about a switcheroo here? Ooh, do you move Solder to the left and put Parrot at right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how. I mean, Parrot's played some left tackle even since he's been here. So my thought, Jeff, is they're not going to want to re-scramble the whole thing, and maybe they'll just slide Parrot in at left tackle. But I don't know for sure, to be honest with you. I don't. Mm. What do you think, Lance? I think they got to make question, the switch. Jeff. I think they got to make the switch because I feel like I think I feel like Matt Parrott is more comfortable at right tackle, and and obviously Nate has played left tackle way more yeah. than Matt Parrott. So uh, I hope we don't have to go there. But you know, listen, he's a big man, Andrew Thomas, and that foot is not something you want to mess with, uh, you know, on game day because at a left tackle you've got to use your feet a lot. And sure. So we'll see what happens. Well, I think you also need to prepare yourself of the Giants. Let's say he is a game-time decision and he's able to go. You have to prepare yourself that, God forbid, he re-aggravates it. Yeah. What are you going to do on the fly, right? Yeah. I would lean towards you, Jeff. I would probably go Solder back to the left side because he has a lot more experience on that mm -hmm. side. And remember, I mean, Matt Parrott didn't win out the right tackle job. He right. did lose that at to Nate Solder, now you want to put him on the left side. He's also been working at a little bit of guard over the course of practices. I even though I'm not a fan of now all of a sudden you got Will Hernandez next to a new guy and Matt Scorer or Ben Bredesen depending on who gets the left guard spot I still would lean towards the experience factor solder to left and then insert paired it right and we might get somebody called up over there from the practice squad well you'd have sure. to if <laughs> yeah. Thomas ends up being act inactive on game day I think you'll definitely see that mm -hmm. to be honest with you but yeah. honestly I don't feel super strongly either way I think there's a good argument for both sides of that yeah and I think Probably Rob Sale probably has the best, you know, feel for the best move there than any of us because he knows more than we do what Parrott's been doing at practice right and left mm -hmm. and Solder even. How much has he done at left tackle this week? Yeah. I don't 
none of us know the answer to that question. So I'm sure that'll inform exactly what they decide to well, do. Well, the bottom line is, John, you can't hide an offensive line. Nope. Okay, you so cannot. Dallas is going to find these guys no matter where they line them yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> basically it's either going to be you're dealing with Randy Gregory if you're playing left tackle or you're dealing with Michael Parsons and whoever else they put there over at right tackle. So it'll be Terrell Basham could see some action I do too. think it'll yeah. be interesting to see whether or not they put Parsons more on the edge or if they keep him more off ball like they did last week against Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see how they use him as a chess piece in this game. I actually think they'll use him in the middle to watch for Daniel Jones. That's just Use him as a spy, huh? To be as a spy, yeah. Maybe not so much like like a legitimate spy, but just more like we know he's there um, and in case. But I I just, you know, we haven't seen Daniel run in a few weeks, and uh, I know what he did against Washington. We all saw that. Um, Could we maybe see that again against this defense against Dallas this week? I kind of hope so. Yeah, I was talking to Dan Orlovsky, and I actually said to him, you know, I'd probably put him on the edge. And you can listen to that Dan Orlovsky interview, by the way, on the Giants Little Podcast is up there right now. And he goes, yeah, but, John, think of it this way. If you put him in the middle, you have to change the entire way your offensive line calls their protections out because you probably don't want to wind up with a running back trying to block him on a blitz. That's probably not going to go well for the running back. Hmm. So that might screw up the protections that the offensive line tries to call if he's blitzing from the inside. So I found that take interesting. If they do decide to use him inside, how that can maybe adjust how the Giants are shifting their offensive line left or right. You know, you know, when you identify the mic, do you always try to make sure an offensive lineman is accounting for Parsons or do you let a running back do it? And that adds a whole other complicated piece to that package depending on how they want to use Parsons if you're Dallas. But you got to know where he is. That's for sure. No question. Well, and remember, a big reason why Parsons got moved to defensive end was in the Chargers game when they were down Demarcus Lawrence and Randy Gregory. Since Gregory's come back, I don't think it's put Dan Quinn in a spot where he has to play Parsons at defensive end as often. So I think that does give them some flexibility. And as Jeff brought up, Sam Darnold had two rushing touchdowns against the Cowboys last week. I would think that they probably don't want that to happen again because Daniel Jones is a lot more dangerous than Darnold. So that could be more of a reason why Jeff may be onto something with respect to having the versatility and speed of Parsons sort of track Daniel Jones from the middle of the field. All right, Watch I, out. I'm on to something here. I have, I have pump-faked the callers here three times. I will not do it again. All right. Uh, the Delta variant is spreading quickly in all areas of New York State. People who are not fully vaccinated are at greater risk from COVID-19. Protect yourself. Get vaccinated. Visit ny.gov slash get vaccinated or talk to your health care provider. Let's go to Ted in Atlanta. He'll join us first here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Ted? Hey, thank you, gentlemen. Hey, I, first off, I want to make a comment. For a geographically separated fan for years, you guys are our lifeline. So I just want to hats off to everybody you bring. And in living in Atlanta, D.O. Lander Ledbetter is the guy that I listen to to get all the information from my wife, who's a Falcon fan. So hats off to everybody. Well, thank you, Tim. Um, Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. And – one thing I want to say, ask is, after watching Atlanta and their, and their offensive line getting shredded by everybody and us not getting any pressure against them, that was my first big concern because if we let Dak sit out there and, and, and take his time, we're going to get killed and we're just going to have to try to outscore him. 
Yeah, what well, do you guys? Ted, mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, yeah. I, I think getting it's to Dak Prescott. Yeah, well, I think getting to Dak is 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 going to be challenging in this game. You know, if you try to run a lot of blitzes, I think he's pretty good at identifying those, and then you're stuck with, you know, CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper man-on-man outside or in the slot. I don't think that's something as a defense you want. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott's a a very good blitz picker-upper as a running back. And to Jeff's point, Biotish is probably their weakest link. Terrence Steele obviously is not great, but he certainly, as Lance pointed out, is a lot better, playing a lot better than he did last year when he was out there at right tackle for him. But, yeah, look, I think getting pressure for the Giants this game will be key, and I think it's going to be a very big challenge because I do think while maybe this Cowboys offensive line isn't quite what they were a couple years ago when they had Travis Frederick as part of the group, they're still pretty darn good. And Dak's only been sacked seven times. That's tied for the six fewest, and he was not sacked at all by a really good Carolina defensive front. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it speaks volumes of the Dallas offensive line. Also, what's important to note, guys, is Dak's been getting rid of the football very quickly this year. Very Actually quickly. quicker than 2016 to 20 combined. And I know he barely played last season. So that in combination with the play of the offensive line doesn't give you a lot of opportunities, even if you're hoping to get after Dak. Yeah, and you talk about trying to keep, keep up with their scoring. <clears throat> when you look at the average score at the Giants in the last six years, it's 30 to 16, guys. That's so, and that's what Dax has won six straight against the Giants. So you and this offense is prolific. So you do not want to get into a, uh, a you know a scoring game with the Dallas Cowboys because the Giants uh, they haven't proven to us that they can hang with anybody that puts up thirty consistently uh, against them. So uh, I have to. You got it. This defense is going to have to play a lot better than they did last week and make some big plays. And I, I think they can do it. Yeah. It's what- gonna, Sorry. No, John. I'm sorry. No, finish up, Jeff. Just, I'm sorry. I just, I, you know, again, I going on the road is difficult. Going to Dallas is difficult. And it's in the division, which gives you a chance because these games are all usually pretty close. Um, but I think that winning last week from a team uh, perspective puts a lot of confidence in that team to be able to go on the road and, and get another win. And that's what they're going to have to try to do. And it's going to be a tough, tough sledding. But um, I think big plays have got to come from both sides of the football this week. And, and, Ted, just to put a number on the point that Lance made, which I think was poignant, um, Dak Prescott, fifth quickest average time to throw this year of any quarterback in the league. It just first? 2.46 seconds. One through four in order. Ben Roethlisberger, Kirk Cousins, Tom Brady, and Joe Burrow, all pocket passers, which, again, mm-hmm. is not a surprise. Most of the scramblers or at the very bottom of this list. Daniel Jones is right in the middle of the league. He's at 17th, and his average time to throw, if I pull up that real quick, is 2.72 seconds. And that was actually much lower until last week when he was able to hold Hmm. the ball a little bit longer because the Giants protected so well. Ted, you got anything else? No, that was it, but that's excellent. That's exactly the way I'm feeling, gentlemen. And, again, thanks for everything you do because I've been out of the – metro area for a long time and you guys i listen to you all the chance i get great job thank you ted yeah I, I think that aziz ojolari Terrence Steele matchup in this game is going to be big you know tyron smith after getting that neck surgery last year looks like his old self i wouldn't count on getting a lot of pressure from that side so i think if, if there's a perimeter matchup that gives you your best chance mm-hmm. it's ojolari against Steele. Like but again it. To Lance's point, Steele's been much better than he was last year when he was basically a turnstile out there. 
And that's what comes with experience. Because if there was a blessing in disguise for the Cowboys, the fact that they were without Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, it gave them an opportunity to prepare the depth chart so that in the event that guys get sidelined this year, now they never envisioned Lyle Collins would be suspended, but now you tap back into what Steele gained last season, you insert him, and you feel a lot better. So I don't think it's as big of a question mark as it was last season. I do think that Biotish and Steele are the areas to attack because they're the two most inexperienced offensive linemen in comparison to Smith, who you mentioned, Zach Martin, and then Connor Williams has been with the team for the last few years, and he's also probably been the most consistent guy because he played all 16 games last year, unlike anybody else. (laughs) So the middle of the line at the center position, right tackle. The question is, though, guys, you know, could the Giants get home? You know, we've talked about other attractive matchups. The last caller brought up the Falcons, right? Falcons' offensive line was pretty attractive for most teams, and they held their own. So just because you have an attractive matchup with the Giants' track record, they only have six sacks on the season, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be able to capitalize. That, to me, right now is still the million-dollar question. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Kevin in Astoria. He'll be up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. What's up, Kevin? Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. What's up? Sure. Um, Piggybacking off this, the pass rush conversation that just happened, it actually segues well into what I was calling about is, to me, the key to the game is make Dallas drive the ball on no big plays. Like, I wouldn't even attempt blitzing very often in this game, if at all. To me, concede first downs. Put three guys up on the, you know, three guys in your pass rush and flood the defensive backfield. You know, come up and make tackles, keep the ball in front of them. If Dallas has three scoring drives in the first half, but it's a touchdown and two field goals, you'll live with that 13 points at half. You know, if we're trying to make big plays and, and get to Dak and stuff, we're just going to leave ourselves susceptible to big plays on the back end. So to, to me, the key is the Giants scoring touchdowns and they have a chance, shortening the game by allowing Dallas to rack up a ton of yards, but trying to tighten down on the, on, on the, the goal line. Okay. I like it. That's a good philosophy. By the way, this is a game where there's six or seven possessions in the first half for Dallas. They're going to score a lot. We got to give them four possessions in each half, five possessions maybe, and and try to limit their opportunities because they're going to move the ball. We, we no don't pressure. have the defensive front. We don't have the defensive front, and frankly, the secondary hasn't played up to snuff enough to think that we're going to be able to stop them. So, to me, give them things up front. It might be frustrating to watch, you know, when they're not getting off the field on third downs, but Make them chip up the field. Kind of like the way teams have played the Giants over the last few years, right? Rely on them to make a mistake and actually yeah. hold these penalties somewhere. And, Kevin, by the uh, way, that, that's basically what the Chargers did to Dallas, and they held them to 20 points because Dallas, to your exactly. point, made mistakes. So, and they, they made I'm with the ball you. up and down the field all day on, on the Chargers, but yeah. they only had 20 points. So you got to make it a, like a 13 points per half thing, and the Giants got to you know hit big plays and score. We, you can't kick field goals. On the you know 17 yard line on fourth and twos, we got to try to turn those into touchdowns. I'm gonna just uh, ask one last question, and I'll hop off the line. I'll listen to your answer on the phone. Sure. Uh, particularly Lance, how do you guys deal with Dettino being so damn defensive anytime someone disagrees with the work he has to say? Have a nice day. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. All right. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was, really that no was your question, Lance. That question. There's no point of answering that question. It is what it is. That's oh, his personality. You two have it. It goes both ways, too. It goes both ways. Well, I mean, listen, if you want to give me an example of when I have completely put him in an uncomfortable spot or 
his favorite line of, well, thank you for coming over to my side when I've never necessarily disagreed with his philosophy, <laughs> just pointing out a different perspective. Come on. I mean, let's be practical at least. I've never, I've never used that phrase on him at all over the course of these programs. Do a one. But, go ahead. I'm well, sorry, the, the only thing I was going to add, though, yeah, in all seriousness, please. the Eagles sort of had that philosophy against the Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. when it came to, you know, let's keep everything in front of us. They actually played a lot of two deep safeties, and Dallas pretty much just said, hey, if you guys are going to stay back there, we're just going to run the ball down your throats. So I get that philosophy based on principle, but Dallas in that game – actually put together a lot of lengthy drives and for the most part finished with some touchdowns. I mean, there was an 11-play drive, a 12-play drive. So there's no ideal game plan when you go up against this Dallas offense, but if you're going to sort of play the conservative approach, Dallas is very good at adjusting, which is what you were bringing up earlier, John. They're going to attack you based on how you align your playmakers, and if you play back, they're going to run it. If you come up to the box, they're going to throw it. It's a very effective chess match where they seem to have an answer for no matter what the defense presents their way. So I just, I don't know if playing conservative, you eventually going to have to take your chances against Dallas, regardless of whether or not you feel good about the personnel. Because if you have that lackadaisical approach, they're still going to run the ball down your throat. We've seen it. Yeah, it's just, you know, listen, it, it's the way that they've built that team. And, you know, you, you, you aren't, you're not able to do that what you just described, Lance, unless you have the personnel, and they have built that team through the personnel that you're. Listen, if you're gonna if you're gonna want to stop the pass on us, then we're gonna run it. It's just like so. Yeah, you got to step up somehow. But um, I think it just comes to discipline and being able to make plays and when you need to and not giving up the big plays. The Cowboys defensively make some plays, but boy, they give us some big chunk yardages. So the Giants will have a, the ability to make some big plays down the field against this Cowboys offense but like I remember it was you or John earlier said that it's or even the callers it's once this once you make those chunk plays and get down into that red zone threes are not going to win the game for you I mean they might win the game for you at the end if you're tied but they're not going to win the game for you in the first quarter so you got to make touchdowns because this Dallas team is going to put up points on you without question and you know what's kind of crazy and I know we haven't thrown this statistic out I'll throw it out but I don't even know if it holds much weight we know what the Giants' issues are in terms of, right, their red zone inefficiency. They're only 4 of 12. They've been 1 for 3 in all four games. Dallas actually, the last six opposing trips into the red zone have led to touchdowns. Oh, but right. even if, guys, you were to tell me Dallas has struggled a bit in the red zone until the Giants prove they could take advantage, to me, it's not necessarily a statistic that holds a lot of weight. It's really, once again, the onus, I'm going to continue to put it back on the Giants. It's not what Dallas does. It's what the Giants do. That's what this game comes down to. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants chat. Joe in Pennsylvania is up next. Joe, what's going on? Hey, guys. Uh, just continuing on what you were, you guys just said in the last caller. You know, you got to make them earn it, and uh, we got to be disciplined. And uh, I'd rather make them try to, you know, uh, go 10, 12 plays to, to, to score, but – you know, we got to tackle them, you know. Uh, can't give them the, the big plays right down the field. And there's more chances for them to mess up. And they're a big team with turnovers, too. So we we, we got to get some turnovers ourselves against them. And when we have the ball, maybe maybe we have to gamble a little bit more on fourth down from, the four, from our 40 on in. And if it's third or or something like that in three or five and, and, and go for it. Uh, what do you think on that? 
Hey, look, I don't think you can come away with field goals in this game. So if that means being a bit more aggressive going for it on fourth down, I think that's fine. Because, look, field goals are not going to win this game. you got to score seven on these drives, guys. You have to. Yeah, yeah, they're they're a big team. Uh, how many turnovers do they have? That's a big thing that they have. You talk you about know? takeaways or are they themselves turning the ball over? Uh, uh, they have takeaways. They have ten takeaways on the season. Right, that's what Second I mean. Second most. Right, yeah. and what do we have? <laughs> Though the Giants have four. four They've had one so, in each game. So we, we have to at least play them even in that, you know, I, I, I believe. So. Well, Dallas has won the turnover battle in every single game this season, well, Joe. And here's the well, other thing. Uh, what do I always say? You want your takeaways against Dallas? That's great. What do you do with those takeaways, though, Joe? That's the other side of the equation. Right, Don't tell me you just it. took the ball away. What would you do that's with them? It. There, there are more gambling defense for sure, too, you know, and uh, – you know, maybe Barkley could hit a seam and, and, and go on one, too, you know, on these blitzes and stuff. So, well, uh, they, they are a movement-based defense, which can open up some gaps sometimes. So I do think that's possible, Jeff, uh, Joe. Yeah, but discipline, turnovers, make them earn everything, and we may have to gamble on fourth down a few times. Thank you for taking my call. Go Giants. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate the call. 201-939-4513. Scott is in Mexico. He's up next. Scott, what's up? Hi, guys. How are you doing today? What's going Good. on? Hey. Uh, I'm invested in this game, so I hope the Giants win. But uh, I wanted to ask a question about two specific players that scare me the most. Wait, so you're not invested in other games? I'm a little confused. No, invested financially in this Oh, game. okay. <laughs> I was saying to myself, I'm like, I, I thought you were a Giants fan, Scott. Yes, I, think, I am a Giants fan. I think you'd be invested fan. in every game. I mean... <laughs> Well, okay. this one, yeah. this one, I have a sizable investment in. So, okay, well, uh, that at least clarified things. Yes. Okay, uh, and I believe the Giants are going to win this game for reasons I'm not going to go into right now. But there are two players that scare me the most, and it's not possibly who you think. And I want to know how you defense these guys. Uh, one is Pollard, the running back, because he's averaging almost 6.8 yards a carry, which is literally, obviously, seven yards every time he touches the ball. And the other one is an obvious one, C.D. Lamb. And he seems to make that whole offense work. So from your perspective, uh, what do you think is the kind of defenses that can take those players out? Because those are the two that worry me the most. Uh, I think if you can stop C.D. Lamb and you can stop Pollard, uh, you, because he's, he, compared to Ezekiel Elliott, he's had half the touches basically, but has more uh, yardage. Uh, perspective-wise, obviously, for the amount of touches that he gets. So how do you defense guys like that? Do you bring more of your linebackers up? Do you, do you get an individual player to spy on them, et cetera? And I was just wondering what your perspectives were on those two specific players. Well, I think, I think in, in the run game, specifically on Pollard, I think you have to build a wall, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you, okay. you can't give him that gap because he's quick enough and he's fast enough to get through it. To make exactly. a big play, and I think that's what you have to do. And you have to worry about him in the passing game, too. That's the other thing that's scary about Tony Pollard right. is that he's very good in the screen game. They like to get him the ball in space, so it's hard for you to build that wall in front of him because you're you know, throwing him that quick wide receiver, quote-unquote, bubble screen you know, outside, outside the hashes, outside the numbers, and all of a sudden then there's not a whole lot of guys out there to make a play on him. So uh, that, would be, that would be my take on Pollard at least. Now, I okay. think the key to him being so efficient, though, is how they get him his touches. If he was, you know, their every down, first and ten running back like Elliott, he wouldn't be right. nearly as efficient 
with, with what he's doing with the football when he gets it. So I, I do think there is a big difference there in how they utilize both those guys. Yeah, okay. as far as as far as C D Lamb, I think that what you need to do is you gotta make sure that you never have a situation where you don't have help. Um, because okay. he's a guy that can make big plays on you. He's going to get his kind catches. Of agree, but... And so um, that's kind of your security blanket. So you got to make sure your coverages are solid and that you have help over the top that he doesn't get, get you know, beat you deep. That's basically how, because he's going to make his plays. And it's just the way it is. And um, just like, you know, the Giants have receivers that will make plays and everyone has a receiver in the National Football League that's going to make plays. It's eliminating the big play is what you want to do. Right. What's interesting, though, you brought up C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb only had two catches for 13 yards against Carolina, and the Cowboys still put up 36 He's points. He's actually Scott. had a couple quiet, right. consecuative games in yeah, a row. Yeah, exactly. Which could scare you. Well, <laughs> correct, because you could argue, Jeff, I guess he's due for a bigger game. Yeah, exactly. yeah no, I get that, but I guess what, what I was getting at was the fact that, you know, Scott brought up the fact that, you know, you're really worried about C.D. Lamb, but C.D. Lamb's been quiet, and the Cowboys are still not missing a beat on offense. Yeah. So I guess point. my point is I'm not – thinking that it's all dependent on C.D. Lamb's production when you got Amari Cooper and you got a few other tight ends and wide receivers right. that can make plays. You know, and Scott, well, I'd well, say this too, for just for the wide receivers, the Cowboys move their receivers all over the place. They play everyone outside, everyone in the slot. They change it on a play-in, play-out basis. So I do think the Giants covering that slot receiver is going to be a big part of this. You know, they've used Adoree Jackson in there a little bit now. Julian Love's been in there too. But I, I don't think that's a strength of the defense right now. So I think doing a good job on whomever Dallas lines up in the slot will be a big part of this game, too. Right. Well, the reason I mentioned C.D. Lamb, he averages about 13 yards every time he catches the ball. And that's the thing that concerns me also. But I want to take my last question. I'll take it off the air. Uh, how involved do you think Evan Ingram has to be in this game for the Giants to win? And, uh, again, I'll take it off the air. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate the call. For me, I mean, I don't think it's important for any individual player. Uh, I do think the Cowboys, they're probably not great at covering slot receivers. Jordan Lewis is fine, but he's given up some plays this year. So this could be more of a Kadarius Tony type of game, if that's who you're going to have inside. At least that's the way I see it. I mean, yeah. I mean, I think you always try to get Evan Ingram the ball, but is this guy's a game where you specifically say you've got to get it to him? I, I don't know if that's the case. Yeah, to me, if you, if you look at the New Orleans game last week, you know, you had um, – Cam Jordan, um, the tight ends helped really do a nice job against him last week. Then Jason Garrett kept the tight ends in a little bit more than he normally would. So I'm not really – I mean, Randy Gregory is a guy that can be active in the pass rush, but, you know, maybe this is a game where Evan Ingram is not as used on the line of scrimmage as much as he needs to be, and he could be a part of that passing game. That's just my, my opinion. Well, Jeff, I think that depends on the health of Andrew Thomas, No. Yeah. If Thomas well, absolutely. Is that's not a good 100%, point. maybe Garrett does want to leave an extra tight that's, end. That's in. exactly right. And listen, I, you know, guys, he's just not going to have a, a, a just a miracle overnight with this guy. You know, ankles are tough. You know, you know that. So especially being a left tackle. So I, I mean, I hope he can play. And if he if he does play, he's not going to be 100 percent. You know that. So that's just a good point, Lance. And here's the other thing, guys, that we haven't brought up. I'm just wondering. Not to say that you could ever prepare for John Ross and Kadarius Tony by just watching them on film, because sometimes mm -hmm. when you see their speed up close, it completely changes things. But this is the first time that a team is going to be entering a game and maybe have a look at how the Giants utilize them and perhaps just have a better feel. Because I think what benefited the Giants against the Saints is nobody had really any taste of what Tony and Ross were going to do within this offense. 
So does that perhaps better prepare the Dallas Cowboys? Does that mean that Jason Garrett has to mix things up a little bit more because Dallas is going to anticipate A, and then maybe they throw B at them? I think that's something also interesting just to keep in the back of our minds because of the fact that now you have a little bit more film compared to what you were working with going into that New Orleans game. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Christian up in Albany. He'll join us next. Christian, what's going on? Hey, guys. Hope you're doing well. We are. What's a nice up? victory week. Absolutely. Um, not too much. I just wanted to talk about the offense a bit. Um, I love the fact that they really have options at this point. And, um, you know, something that really was tough last year is they really needed to target Ingram because he was one of their main weapons on the team. But at this point, they have guys who are a little more reliable. I mean, Ingram consistently makes a lot of mistakes and you know we can bring up you know why it's happening but it doesn't happen with any other player nearly as much and his skill set is actually kind of funny because you know he's 6'3 he's not a big tight end but he doesn't create a lot of separation either and especially not underneath and when they keep targeting him within 10 yards it's like a high risk low reward proposition Well, I mean, listen. I think that you're, I think you're correct in the sense that the skill, his skill set, has always been, you know, really good as far as his speed and athleticism. But he consistently has had troubles with blocking, catching the football, penalties, drop, you know, all those kinds of stuff. So, um, and you make a great point because you know, in the past, I agree with you that the weapons on the outside have not been that sexy, if you will. Now you kind of got a little bit more, and I think that. You know, teams don't really have to concentrate on Evan Ingram. And if he could, you know, maybe have one of those breakout games and this could be the one, you know, maybe he does some good things. In the past. I, I just feel like that Evan Ingram, if we could just get him to just do something in the red zone, right? I mean, that's where I feel like he could make his, make his, uh, you know, his money down there. And I, I just, you know, where in the Giants, I, I thought going into this season, and guys, you, you might – chime in on this i just thought we were talking about all these weapons and then the how good the red zone was going to be but what's happened it's just it does not work well and also and had some injuries frame, that piled up too yeah yeah that's a good and point ingram ingram really does not use his frame to his advantage he doesn't put himself in between the ball and defenders and he's not really that big to be doing so and the other thing is the speed doesn't really jump off the page that much either i mean you know sometimes he makes plays down the field but they, they should probably look to do that more instead of targeting him within five, 10 yards, because I mean, it almost looks like defense is just expected. Well, they tried to give him one. They remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, they tried to give him a, a jet sweep down in the red zone. And that didn't, that got sniffed out pretty quickly trying and, to use his speed there. And so by the way, I know people are killing him for that drop last week. That was a very difficult catch. Now you can make the argument that maybe since it was zone, he was supposed to settle down in that spot and he kept oh, yeah, running still behind it. him a little and bit. That's fine. But that yeah. was, that was not an easy catch. He had to yeah. completely turn his body to try to catch that ball from a few feet. Yeah. Away. Like it wasn't, yeah, it was not an easy catch, but we rarely see him, you know, going above the X's and O's the way Paul likes to say to help his quarterback out a little bit. I mean, I mean, it's not going to be perfect all the time. He's got to, you know, really step up if he's going to be getting targets because they, they have enough players at this point where if he keeps, you know, letting the team down in certain situations, they, they really don't need to keep going back to him. 
Well, because you have now Tony and John Ross, and you didn't have that earlier in the season. So I Thank don't you, think Christian. Jason Garrett's going into any game saying we've got to get Evan Ingram X amount of touches. I think Ingram is more of an option based on Daniel Jones's reads. But if you go back to earlier in the season, guys, you didn't have Tony fully healthy and ready to have as big of a workload. John Ross was on IR. So it's natural to think the more weapons you now have – Daniel Jones could spread the wealth, and he doesn't have to rely on perhaps the few guys that were available early in the season. I think that's just the natural progression of this offense now moving forward. Yep. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Jeff in Rhode Island. He's up next. Hey, Jeff. Hey, guys. How you doing today? Doing great. Um, I don't get to see uh, a lot of the games. Uh, I was just wondering, uh, are we still running the uh, – the tight end seam pass that was so very successful all those all those years. Sure. Yeah, because I haven't, I really haven't noticed it. You know, I thought I'd be seeing a lot more. Well, they Rudolph, haven't, they uh, haven't completed it much, but they're running it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I just haven't noticed it. I guess. Well, and, they've uh, also you know, they've I, also kept their tight ends into chip a lot too, which also cuts into some yeah, of that stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I thought maybe we'd see Rudolph, uh, you know, with his height. Uh, you know, we were talking about uh, being in the red zone scoring. I mean, that, that's been an issue going back to when Tom, Tom Coughlin was here. That you know, still have still have an issue scoring in the red zone. So I don't know. I just hope we win Sunday, guys, because I don't want to have another season where it's all over before Halloween. I can't be having that. No, look, Jeff, this is Look, I, I tried to make this point. I appreciate the call. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I tried to make this the point at the beginning where, you know, last week's Saints win was great, but if you lose this week and you fall three games behind Dallas, who's going to be in first place, and you're 0-2 in the NFC East, it's a tough climb. Is it impossible? No, but it's a tough climb. This win would make all the difference, to be quite honest with you. Absolutely. So, and yeah. you don't play division games for a while. Yeah, you're right, Jeff. The next division game yeah. is not until November 28th when they play the Eagles. So there are five non-division games, all against really good teams, by the way, um, <laughs> until yeah. the Giants play the Eagles on Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. Well, no. you can't just flash in the National Football League. I mean, eventually you have to put it all together where you could start making a string of victories. And I think, you know, they came back against the Saints. But, guys, also let's not forget what it took to come back against the Saints. Okay, I mean, they were down by 11 in the fourth quarter. You had to have that 54-yard touchdown by Saquon Barkley, and then your defense finally got the Saints off the field. So, you know, that's why Joe Judge, after the game, he said, we're not throwing ourselves a parade because we came back and won our first game of the season. We know there's still a lot that we have to clean up. And, I mean, I think that that was a good perspective to have. You, all, you don't get rid of all of your issues overnight just because you win one game. So if the Giants are going to take the next step, now they have to prove that what happened in the fourth quarter of the last game was not just a flash, and it's something that they could actually carry over and do and repeat against multiple opponents. Not just, well, it worked against the Saints because we caught them off guard. Well, can you catch other defenses off guard? They have to prove that still. Mm -hmm. yeah, I, think, I think the Giants have a good chance to... Um, I, I believe, and I told you guys this, I think that the Giants wore that Saints defense down in that overtime draw. I mean, I, I really thought that the conditioning level of the Giants was superior. And, and, you know, and now I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys and having not a lot of depth on that team where guys can kind of, you know, you can bring guys in and out. That's just wear them down. But you got to control the clock and you got to make first downs. And uh, if you can do that, then you got a chance. And score seven points. And score points. Seven yes, points. Yes, we need sevens. <laughs> 
No threes, sevens. No, no threes. You get threes, you lose. <laughs> it's it's really that simple. All right, guys, i got to run down the hall here to catch All right, up John. with Joe Judge and Kadarius Tony. You can find those interviews on the Giant Soto Podcast Game Preview, which will be dropping in a few hours later this afternoon. Mr. Meadow, I will leave you and Jeff to the final two calls. Of Goodbye, John. All right, sounds good, John. Appreciate it as we move along here. 201-939-4513 is the telephone number. Let's head back to the lines. Pete is in Massachusetts. What's happening, Pete? Guys, big fan. Uh, talked to you guys a month ago. Um, had a nice walk and then came back in and talked about some other stuff. But this is not a heckle and jide predi- prediction. <laughs> 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 I thought you'd like that. I saw, something, I saw something that reminded me of the 07 season. It's not a prediction. I, I'm kind of going with it a little bit. But when Kadarius went, not Kadarius Tony, when uh, CJ Board returned that punt, with seven minutes left, mm-hmm. I saw something click with his team that I hadn't seen in a long time, and it reminded me of the 07 season when they beat Washington with those four downs and we kept them out of the end zone. But they moved the ball like I haven't seen a lot, and I'm not making a prediction, but I'm kind of leaning towards a little bit. Like I honestly think they're going to just carry this over into this game because they know how big of a game this is. They they don't need Sterling Shepard heal him. They got some receivers on this team that are dynamite. You get that ball to Kadarius, man. They're not going to tackle him. Um, not a heck on jide, but it's like I really see some <laughs> positives from this team. I really you know, do. You no. make the you make the point of that Washington that goal line stand. I was in that game, by the way, and you know that oh, yeah. was yeah. That I want to a... say one thing about that. Sure. Congratulations on your retirement of your number because you had some unbelievable <laughs> kicks, unbelievable kicks to put those guys field position. So congratulations, Jeff. thank you. You deserve it. I appreciate that. <laughs> it's a great uh, listen. Um, I tell everybody it's you know it's it's Fiegel's on the front, Manning on the back. That's the, basically where the ten is. <laughs> um, but that stand, you know, there was something that clicked there, and and really when we talk about complimentary football you know there was started off with an off uh, uh, special teams play and cj board making that big return and next thing you know the the defense is getting them three and out and the offense is driving uh 75 yards to win a game so put it all together that was what you saw and it was that's nice. all they needed that's all they needed they know they can play with anybody because the Saints defense is not a slouch they were a good defense. No, they're not. Hands and either down. was Washington. Either was Washington. And that's yeah. the one thing about this Giants team is that, you know, they've been in every single game. They have not been blown out. They have not been, you know what I'm saying? They, they have competed every yeah. single game. They just have been, you know, the ones they've lost and the ones that they really should have won. Um, and then it's kind of crazy because you go on the road and you think that they're going to get beat by the Saints and they win that game. So it's just craziness. But um, it just takes some plays I- like that and confidence to get going. And maybe that's what it is. We hope so. I like when they play on the road. They have been a road team. I hate when they play at home. I love going to see them when I can. But I like when they play on the road. They don't have to deal with their own crowd. They That's just right. go in there and deal with what they got to deal with. So, yeah. thanks thanks for your time. Big fan of both of you guys. Thank you. Big fan. All right, Pete. Appreciate the phone call. You know, the Lance, I, is you I still got to play eight games at home. So. You do. I know. <laughs> and, I, and, again, I, I made this point before, and, it, and I know it because it's, it's happened – and not only when I was just with the Giants, but um, when I was with some other teams and we were not that good, um, and the fans are just kind of on you, and they, they, you know, deservingly so. But sometimes going on the road, even though how difficult it is, Lance, to play on the road, sometimes it's, it's, it's a good medicine because 
you get away from everything, you get away from people, you get away from, you know, everyone. And you just kind of, you get on the plane, you go to the hotel and you spend time with, with the team and you focus. And um, what happens is there isn't any distractions because when, when you go on the road as a team, there's rules. There's rules. So <laughs> you, you, you get off the plane, you go to the hotel, you don't leave. You're, you're stuck there until the, the game the next day. And, you know, when you're at home, you got, uh, you know, Friday nights or Saturdays. Family, you, you, friends. Yeah, I mean, you, you got everybody entertain. over. Yeah. And, you, you know, you might have an early dinner before because normally you got to be at the hotel around 7 and uh, for a team meeting. So you have all day Saturday to kind of hang out with your friends and neighbors and family. And so there's just a lot of stuff going on where when you go on the road, when you leave your house Saturday morning, Lance, you're gone until you get back Sunday after the game. You don't see anybody. So it's a little easier to focus and concentrate and kind of have that camaraderie with the guys. And that's what a lot of people miss when they're done playing is that camaraderie. When you're home, you're dealing with life. And when <laughs> you're on exactly the road, right. I'm not saying you're not dealing with no, life, but you're not dealing you're with those other hundred percent. Yeah. And by the way, you know, and, and we all love our kids and we all love our family and our wives and everybody, but boy, they, they, they ask a lot of you. And, you know, there's a lot of things that you're doing that you're not – when you're on the road, all you're really doing is focusing on what you have to do, and that's playing a game. Um, because, you know, your wife or significant other can't ask you to go do this or can't ask you to go to the store or whatever. You can't because you're not there. <laughs> so, hey, can you – you know, can you take the dog out? Can you take the kids for a walk? Can you <laughs> can mow you the lawn? Milk? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not going to be able to do any of that stuff because you're just not there. So there is a focus factor that comes into it, and – uh, I was just really excited how the Giants took care of business on the road last week. Now they got to do it this week. The 2021 season's now underway. There is still time to secure your season tickets. You can root on the Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants ticket representative now. Become a season ticket member by calling 888-NYG-1925. Also, you can take in all the action of Giants football from your very own private suite. Giant Suites are a great way to entertain the family and friends while rooting on your Giants here at MetLife Stadium. Speak with a Giants Suite rep now by calling also 888-NYG-1925. Lance Meadow, Jeff Fiegel's with you here. Let's head back to the phone lines, and Charlie is on the line. What's happening, Hello, Charlie? Charlie. Oh, silence. Hey, we have no complaints. Hmm. This is the the best best phone call that we have ever experienced, (laughs) and every phone call should be like that moving forward. (laughs) In terms of Charlie in Portland, Maine. Well, considering we didn't have to have our show interrupted, now we could get actually back to the topic at hand, Jeff. And that is the challenge of the Dallas Cowboys. And I think most of the calls echoed some of the sentiments that we said earlier Mm -hmm. in the program in terms of what this Dallas offense could do. I think the million-dollar question for the Giants, and it sounds like a broken record, is this going to be the game where they solve their red zone issues? And the way they do that, is you have to be able to run the football in the red zone. See, Jeff, that to me is one of the biggest issues. If you go back and you look at the 12 possessions that they've had, specifically against the Saints, they ran, you were referring to this play earlier, you were referring to the end around with Evan Ingram, Mm -hmm. and they've even run with Saquon Barkley. No matter how creative they get, it's like pulling teeth for them to get positive yardage in the red zone. So, you know, that's something that they're going to have to solve because, you know, we could sit here and tell you all you want to hear about Kyle Rudolph and Kenny Galladay and throw the ball up and those guys are going to rescue them. They still need to have some semblance of a run game. That's what the good teams have when they get in the red zone. And really, if you look at the Cowboys and the Giants, you actually are looking at teams on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of their ability to run the ball, but also run the ball in tight, small spaces. That, to me, is also the biggest difference between both of these teams. 
Yeah, and, and it all starts up front. You know, you got to get a push. You got to win that line of scrimmage and win your matchup there because if you can't, that's where there's penetration and the run gets stopped. Um, I also believe that there has to be some creativity, but it all starts with being able to have success in the running game, whether it doesn't have to be six yards of carry. It just has to be that the other team knows that you have the ability to do it. That they have to respect it. That's right. And so when you are lining up uh, against the Giants nowadays that are four of 12, um, I don't have much respect for that. So I'm going to be able to do whatever I want. And what you do is you, you break down the film and you go at where their weakness is. And to me, the weakness has always been up front as far as the push and trying to get it. Now, Saquon had a great touchdown run uh, where he was able to score Correct. a touchdown going yards. over the yep. top. But, you know, I mean, that was a great play. But I, that, I would like to see more of those, and I think everybody would. But to your point, Lance, is that it all has to do about execution, execution, and execution. You have to execute the plays that are put there, and you run them. In, and, and, and listen, they do this – the Giants – and the Falcons and the Patriots, they all do the same thing. They have on Wednesdays they do this, on Thursdays they do this, Fridays they have red zone. They run, the, they run different plays in there, but they have to just – they got to run them right. They got to execute them. Get a hat on a hat and know who you're supposed to block and be able to run it. And then, by the way, then that sets up a lot of different other things that you can do if you can run. Because if sure. you can't, they pin their ears back and they're, they're going to they're gonna win. Yeah, well, you become predictable because I think teams then That's have an idea, hey, yeah. this team's predictable. Yeah, they're not yeah. going to be able to punch it in, so we now have to be more aware of defending the short pass, and you have limited options. I do think the Barkley example is great. You're just looking for more volume like that. Right, now right. can you duplicate that moving forward? One other thing I wanted to throw out in terms of the whole can you earn the respect of your competitor, I think another good example, Jeff, is coming into the Saints game the opposition was 5-for-5 five five on fourth down, and we talked about this on the radio network postgame show because you had Denver and Washington combined to go 5-for-5. Five five. They didn't have a fourth down conversion opportunity against Atlanta. So what did the Saints do, if you remember, early in the game? They have a fourth and three, and what do they do? Sean Payton, right, keeps his offense out on the field. They probably looked at the analytics, and they said, hey, this team has yet to make one fourth down stop. That's we right. like our chances. Now yeah. the Giants made the stop. Yeah. But until you prove that you can do that, the opposition has no reason to follow a different script. If they were 0 for 4, <clears throat> the opposition was 0 for 4 coming on fourth down, the, giant, the Patriots would have punted there. They would, they would be like, listen, you know, we're not going to. And, and sometimes, you know, analytics do come into it, but sometimes it's a total feel. Um, sometimes it's personnel. You know, hey, we got an advantage here that we, we see that we can exploit the defense because of the personnel that's in there. Our fourth down play will work against this personnel, so even though they're 0 for 4. So there's a lot of things that go into it. But the bottom line is that you got to execute it, and the Giants did that. They 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 stopped a fourth down play finally, you know. But up until that, they couldn't stop a nosebleed on fourth down. <laughs> well, you hope that you can stop a nosebleed Sunday in Dallas, or else that's so. not going to be a very good omen no. in terms of the outcome of that game. All right, that is going to wrap up Friday's edition of. Big Blue Kickoff Live. So the game is Sunday, 425. Our Giants Radio Network pregame show will start at 2.10 p.m. Eastern on WFAN in the local New York, New Jersey metropolitan area. You could also hear it on Giants.com as we'll be streaming our full pregame show. And then we will be on immediately after the game with our full postgame show. So look forward to talking to you then. We'll be back on Monday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern with the latest edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live. A reminder that today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live is part of the Giants platforms everywhere and at Giants.com slash podcast. Jeff, always enjoy the conversation. I will speak to you on Sunday. Talk to you soon, Lance. Thank you.
Sounds good. For John Schmoke and Jeff Fiegels, I'm Lance Meadow. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll speak to you on Monday. Have a good one.